honestly, this is the study that has made me squirm the most. Oh God. I've learned about a lot of unethical studies and I haven't been able to shake the image of what this researcher did to these people. Imagine the year is 1923, a time when the United States emerged from the shadows of World War I, transitioning into an era of peace and renewal. Economic prosperity means more cash in pockets, funneled into radio, movies, dance floors, and underground speakeasies echoing with live jazz. Flappers emerge as icons of change, smashing gender norms with short dresses and carefree attitudes. Colleges and universities are swelling with an increase in enrollment and creating new fields of study. It was a time of optimism and change. Life is good. You are 25 years old. You've danced in hidden speakeasies and reveled in the silent antics of stars like Charlie Chaplin. Yet something is missing. You decide it's time for something more. You enroll in graduate school and get accepted to the psychology program at University of Minnesota. But little do you know that this is when your life would change forever. This is when you would meet fellow grad student Carney Landis. One year later, he would invite you to participate in his study on facial expressions. He wants to explore whether universal facial expressions exist for emotions like joy, sadness, disgust, surprise, and more. He's a fellow grad student and he was perfectly pleasant during orientation. He's even helped you out with your own study. So you decide to volunteer and help him out. You have no idea what you actually signed up for, and you are about to be a subject in one of the most notoriously unethical studies in history. Oh my god. <laughs> this feels like a setup to a, 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 to a Fallout game, Chris. Oh my god. Welcome to Psych Papers, a podcast of bad content <laughs> Leave while where you we can. discuss controversial <laughs> and interesting psychology studies and concepts. Oh my god. We also conduct our own follow-up research inspired by each episode's topic. I'm your host, Chris Cole. I have a PhD in psychology, and this is my co-host, Joseph Taharan. It's his reluctant friend. <laughs> this is the facial expressions episode. And just as a warning, the methods used in this study we'll be talking about are a little disturbing. Oh, I got goosebumps. <laughs> I really yeah. got... We're one of those like we're one of those like YouTubers <clears throat> that do like top 10 creepiest things you've never heard about. <laughs> That's, that's this oh, episode. Yep. Get ready. This is number, number one. one. <laughs> Before I go into the gruesome methodology used in this study, I'd like to first discuss the significance of facial expressions and how we learn to use them for survival. Humans communicate an immense amount of information with our faces. Our thoughts and emotions are translated into different facial expressions. And this helps us communicate to others what we're thinking and feeling and we also use it to read other people's reactions to things as well. The ability to recognize and interpret facial expressions is the foundation for social understanding and empathy. If you want a window into someone's thoughts and feelings, all you need to do is pay attention to their face. There is even a term for this called social referencing. This is a technique used by infants to learn how to react and respond to new things by observing the reactions of others. Joseph, imagine being a three-year-old child. Okay. You're walking hand in hand with your mother on your way to the park. You love right. the park. 
Suddenly, you're confronted with a hulking entity cloaked in obsidian fur, prowling with an eerie silence. This is your first time seeing a miniature schnauzer. As it's lunging toward you, you need to quickly ascertain what to do. So, you look to your mother. She's smiling and cooing as she kneels down to get eye level with the beast. She looks relaxed. You are safe. This is social referencing and how we learn how to respond to new things. Gotcha. So if I'm a child, I'm, if I don't know what to do, I look at the how other people are behaving and I'll mirror that yes. behavior. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. I'll go as far to say adults engage in social referencing as well. Have you ever been watching a movie with a friend who whenever whenever a funny or scary moment happens, they always look at you <laughs> to, to see the see, reaction, to see how you're reacting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I hate test. it. <laughs> I hate that too, yeah. Or if you're in a social setting and somebody makes a funny joke, people will often look at the person that they like or respect to see their reaction and they may calibrate their own reaction from there. Now, in modern day, research has identified seven fundamental facial expressions that are nearly universal across cultures. Happiness, sadness, fear, anger, disgust, surprise, and contempt was a later addition. <laughs> it was a DLC. <laughs> so these are the basic facial expressions, uh, but they can be mixed to create other emotions as well. This is what we know now. But what do we what do we know then? Let's go back in time. Oh no! Fateful day. I don't know if invited. I want to. <laughs> we're gonna. Oh, I don't. <laughs> we're going back to the day that you were invited to participate in a study by Carney Landis. The year is 1924. The study of emotions was in its infancy, and the leading theories of emotions at the time were Sigmund Freud's psychoanalysis, which emphasized that emotions stemmed from unresolved conflicts and desires, and Watson and Skinner's theory of behaviorism, which emphasized observable behaviors rather than mental states. Watson is our buddy researcher who studied little Albert. Oh no. And conditioned a baby to fear a stimulus that they are not normally fearful of. He oh. traumatized a baby and made a baby fearful of like white furry rabbits. Just a bit earlier, around 1870, Charles Darwin uh, had the idea that facial expressions of emotions were innate and universal, but there wasn't any empirical evidence to support this claim. And it would remain this way until Carney Landis started data collection on his dissertation. Carney Landis was among the early attempts to study emotions through experimental methods. He devised an experiment to explore whether facial expressions were indeed universal across culture and whether specific emotional responses could be reliably measured. The way he went about this would land him as one of the most notoriously unethical studies of its time. Honestly, we've covered some pretty unethical studies already, and this one was pretty horrifying. Uh, and maybe it was because it wasn't taught in any of my psych classes. Um, like purposely So maybe it's just it? like the shock factor. <laughs> in Psych 101, we got enough shocking studies. We don't need a... This yeah. doesn't add to the... <laughs> We we already it. get like 30 parent letters complaining about the courses a semester. That's <laughs> that's our limit. What do you the do? Goal Chris? Of the what did he do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the edge of my seat. <laughs> <laughs> 
The goal of the experiment was to see if all people have a common expression when feeling disgust, shock, joy, fear, and so on. So you, being a participant, were taken to a lab and your faces were painted with black lines along where the muscles were in right. order to better see the movement of your facial expressions. So far, so good. Okay. Yep. Basically, the study involved inducing certain emotions by presenting you with different stimuli and then snapping a photo of your facial expression. Okay, that's not that bad. Okay. <laughs> this is like, this is good. We're done? Yeah, <laughs> not that bad. bad. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the study. And he published it, and it was really great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs> You are a participant in his study. Okay. And to get, to get you to feel different emotions, he exposed you to different stimuli so he could photograph your facial expressions. So he needs to get you to feel emotions to get a picture of your face. It starts out, you know, pretty fine. You have to listen to jazz music. Okay. Okay. That's, that's nice. It's 1924. You love jazz music. Yeah. He gets you to smell ammonia. Okay. Ugh, that doesn't smell that good. Yeah. He has you read a passage from the Bible, and he has you tell a lie. Okay. But the results were discouraging. So Landis decided it was time to raise the stakes. Were you, were you saying that homeboy ran to study once? It was like, this is kind of lame. This is kind of lame, dog. I think he was improvising. He was like, you know what? <laughs> Oh, you guys aren't being that, famous, that reactive. This is a famous research. Read me. <laughs> this is the researcher just coming up with everything on the fly, being like, oh, wait, that, this is actually all part of the study. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. So <laughs> you try to induce some behaviors. They're kind of, you yeah. know, the kind of lukewarm responses. So you want yep. to switch it yep. up. Okay. He starts to show you pornographic images. Okay. Remember. This is the 1920s, where conservative and religious views still mostly dominated culture. Okay. So this is pretty, this is pretty, pretty shocking there. stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Then he shows you medical photos of people with horrendous skin conditions. <sighs> okay. Then he goes behind a curtain and sets off a firecracker to capture on film the exact moment of your fright. Okay. Still, Landis was having a hard time getting the expressions he wanted. <laughs> I tried. I tried the porno. <laughs> I, I freaking bought firecrackers for the study. I had them smell my piss. <laughs> <laughs> what more can I do? Yeah. At this point, uh -huh. he's probably getting frustrated. Okay. And here his experiment took a dark turn. Oh. <laughs> He has you stick your hand in a bucket without looking. Okay. The bucket was full of live frogs. Click. That's his camera. Okay. Landis encourages you to search around the bottom of the mysterious bucket. Overcoming your revulsion, you rummage through slimy frogs to find the real surprise. Which is? Electrical wires ready to deliver a painful shock. <sighs> Click. That's his camera. <laughs> Classic psychologist going back to the old <laughs> faithful. Psychologists love shocking people. <laughs> okay. Life the worst frogs. has yet to come. Uh, yeah, I can. I can see that. Yeah. 
<laughs> I could clearly, I can clearly see that. Yeah. This is the most disturbing part. So fair warning. Okay. The experiment reached its climax when Landis puts a live mouse in your left hand and a knife in the other. Okay. He flatly orders you to decapitate the mouse. You're stunned, and you ask Landis yeah. if he's joking. Are you serious? Yeah. He is serious. Participants actually had to cut off the little animal's head, or he himself would do it in front of their eyes. Okay. Is he bluffing? At this point, as Landis had hoped, the reactions really became obvious. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unfortunately, they also turned out to be more complex than he expected. Confronted with a high stress and potentially traumatizing situation, a lot yeah. of people started crying. Yeah. Others started hysterically laughing. Some completely froze, and others burst out into swearing. And as we learn from the uh, authority experiment, like people in these situations are compelled to like follow orders. Exactly. Exactly. Two thirds of participants ended up complying with the researchers' orders and carried out the horrific execution. Are you serious? They decapitated a mouse? The other third of participants had to watch the beheading performed by Landis himself. There were 25 participants total, most of them fellow grad students. Oh my god. Wait, let's just reset for a second. This guy's also like a 20-something-year-old kid, technically. He's 26 at the time. Okay, yeah, but it's a grad student just like the other people that he was testing. Okay. Yep. Okay, so before you go on, so people decapitated it, or Guru Landis was like, let me do it myself. He was like, mm -hmm. I hope they make me do it again. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Carney! Carney Landis, what are you doing? Jeez. So out of the 25 participants, most of them like I said, we're fellow grad students. Okay. For some reason, there was also a 13-year-old boy who happens to be at the department as a patient on account of psychological issues and high blood pressure. So he was our participant. <laughs> was, was he just getting around? Who's around? Who's around <laughs> for my experiment? Carney's knocking on doors. <laughs> Hello, Experiment. <laughs> I see you're free. I see you're not doing anything yeah. right now. Come with me. I have I, a $25 I... Visa gift card for you <laughs> and a bowl of soup. It's unclear which option the 13-year-old boy picked. I don't think I had to guess. <laughs> guessing he would pick not do it himself. But this means that he had to watch Landis decapitate this mouse in front of him. One thing for like a 25-year-old do it. But the 13 yeah. to be in that situation? Jeez Louise. Yeah. 
Joseph, the most embarrassing aspect of the whole story. Embarrassing is a word. <laughs> the most embarrassing aspect of the whole story was that the final results for this cruel test were not even noteworthy. What do you mean? In Landis's paper in the Journal of Comparative Psychology, he came to the following five conclusions. Number one, there is no typical facial expression accompanying any emotion aroused in the experiment. Number two, emotions are not characterized by a typical expression or recurring pattern of muscular behavior. So, so what these first two are saying is that I couldn't find any common or universal facial expressions for different emotions. Number three, Smiling was the most common reaction, even during unpleasant experiences. Right. This is like nervous. This is nervousness. Yeah. Exactly. Number four, asymmetrical bodily reactions almost never occurred. What does that mean? I think I think at the time of emotions research, people thought that um, asymmetrical bodily reactions, like reacting one way with one half of your body, whereas the other half of your body didn't react meant something like neurological going on okay. in your brain okay number five men were more expressive than women that's it the, his five conclusions could basically be summed up as i couldn't really find any common universal facial expressions <laughs> a lot of people smiled people's reactions were symmetrical and men are a little more expressive than women look i tried everything I tried the frogs <laughs> Try shocking them. Do you know? Yeah. Do you know how many? You know how many pet stores I'm banned from. <laughs> I tried it all. I, you know, this is this is pretty good research. I would say I tried every scenario I could think of. <laughs> I tried dogs and they said no. Okay. <laughs> oh God. His results were hardly anything that could justify a mouse massacre. Yeah. And the trauma inflicted on participants. Yeah, and just for reference, these are just like, I assume, city folk, right? This is not people that are accustomed to, like, hunting or working on a farm. These are these are grad students, so 1920s, probably well-off, mid-upper class, and they're at the University of Minnesota doing a psychology grad program. Right, just, yeah. just, to, re just, just to set context, because, like, obviously, if you were used to this sort of, if you lived a certain lifestyle, of course, you'd be more maybe more accustomed, but even then... Like to be put in a, a position where an authority figure is telling you to do something. Yeah. Whole different scenario, especially if you've never been in that situation ever in your life. After obtaining his degree, Landis devoted himself to sexual psychopathology. <laughs> Always. It had to be. It had to be, Chris. <laughs> this fucking weirdo. <laughs> it had. He had to do something weird. It's like. What's the thing that's going to freak people out the most if I tell them what I do for a living? Yeah. Oh, I still want to work with animals. Yeah. <laughs> that hasn't changed. You can <laughs> ban me as many pet stores as you like. It's not going to stop me. From my, I'll from my find them on the work. street. <laughs> oh, man. He actually had a nice career at the New York State Psychiatric Institute and apparently never harmed a rodent again. Okay. One interesting kind of incidental finding from this bizarre study that went unnoticed, you brought it up earlier. The fact that two-thirds of participants, although protesting and suffering, obeyed the terrible order. That is insane. Yeah. There's, there, you're not 
beholden to him, any of those students could have walked out at any point. Yeah, this is even stranger. They're like almost your age too. They're uh, most of them are fellow grad students. Yeah. So they're peers. They're peers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe they felt indebted to him. Maybe he had helped them out on one of their studies. Yeah, but I don't know what equates but, me, you having yeah. source participants like help yeah. me aggregate like raw data to decapitating a mouse. <laughs> like, that feels very unequal. Ass. It's a stretch. That's a yeah. weird sentence when you say it all yeah. in one. <laughs> oh man! Wait. So he just like he was just like okay, gonna live a normal life now. <laughs> got it all out <laughs> whatever hey i was in a phase i was in a i was in a different space of my life you know now 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 no. the research I, now that kind of research i just do on the side <laughs> now i'm just into sex stuff that's recreational yes <laughs> i'm into academic sex yeah i'm into sex stuff academically <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm kinky <laughs> academically <laughs> so two-thirds of participants obeyed this terrible order to decapitate a mouse right, and yeah. this percentage is very similar to the one recorded during the infamous milgram obedience to authority experiment that our first episode was on go check that out that study was on whether the average person would commit a terrible act, like delivering a lethal shock to another person, if they were ordered to by an authority figure. Mm -hmm. The simple fact that an authority figure was ordering them led to about the same percentage of people fully complying with the terrible order. Is this it? Are we done? <laughs> don't tell me there's like a don't tell me like a part two to this study. And then he went back for another degree. <laughs> <laughs> To paraphrase Alex Bose, who wrote a book on this study, quote, this highlights a common occurrence in experiments where scientists set out to prove one thing, but end up discovering something entirely different and more captivating. This is why good researchers know they should always pay close attention to strange events that occurred during their experiments. A great discovery might be lurking right beneath their eyes or beneath the blade of their knife. Okay. <laughs> if you're still listening, make sure to <laughs> make sure to <laughs> look at that subscribe button. Hit a look, Fuck, us it's a like. so weird to <laughs> follow us on. If on you're still listening, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you can like or subscribe or don't, and just run away from this as far as uh, run away as far as you can get. Oh. This is going to be such a bitch to edit, Chris. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>